Welcome to Foundry Radio. This commission series looks at what Matthew 28 teaches about obedience, worship, authority and action. Episode 4, Authority. Welcome back to Commission. This is um, us taking a, a mini look, another look at this incredible commission that Jesus gave his disciples at the end of his earthly ministry. Um, a commission he gives to each of us as well, both through the word of God, but also through the spirit of God. This commission is literally like the go of the gospel. It's the command of, of the Lord to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And as Lewis and I said in our interactory, introductory conversation, I'm just spending some time thinking about this commission. This is a passage, a few verses that warrants lifelong study, genuinely. So what we're doing here is not uh, by any means exhaustive. We are following the prompt, the leading of the Holy Spirit, drawing on some of the conversations we had with one another and with the Lord during the Foundry Fireside conversations and just bringing out a few keys that can help us individually to understand, but also more importantly, even to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ. And so today I'm going to be looking at authority and just to recap the disciples, 11 of them left after Judas, Judas's betrayal. Um, they've been told by the women around Jesus that he is back. He's risen from the dead. And as it says in this uh, verse 16 onwards, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go and they were rewarded for their obedience by seeing Jesus. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But even at that point, some still doubted. And then it says this in verse 18, Jesus came to them. He came to the disciples and he said, and this is the commission itself, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, he said to them, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. It's extraordinary. This great commission You've got the two great commandments to love God with all your heart, soul and strength. You've got uh, the second great commandment. It's just like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And then this great commission. I'm going to be touching actually on all three in the next in the next session of commission, just looking at the actual action, the go of the gospel. Um, but here I want to ask the question, why does Jesus start the commission with this statement about authority? And, and it's an extraordinary statement. I mean, it, it's we need to stop and ask why he commissioned his disciples with this statement at the beginning, because this is the therefore go because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. But it's also extraordinary for two other reasons. One is that Jesus is speaking here clearly of the highest authority. It's not he's given me authority where there's some ambiguity. He has given he has been given all authority, supreme authority over all things. We know that through his death on the cross, his perfect blameless life, he became he God made him 2 Corinthians 5:21 who knew no sin to become sin. And God crushed sin and the power of sin, the penalty of sin was destroyed in Christ on the cross. Extraordinary. And Jesus won the keys to death and Hades. And Jesus is saying at this point in his earthly ministry, he's died. He's been raised to life by the spirit of God and the will of the father. Been raised to new life. He has a new body. He's standing there with the scars in front of his disciples who thought him gone. 
And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's an extraordinary claim. There is no higher authority than Jesus. That that ought to um, make us <laughs> look up, take a, take a look, take a moment to ask, what does that mean? The other thing that's extraordinary, as I say, is the fact that this prefigures, this is the, this is the statement on which Jesus bases the commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. There is a direct connection between the authority that Jesus has been given and the command to go. Another thing, just even as I'm saying it, that's strange about this statement, if we stop and think, is Jesus is the son of God. He has preeminence, preexistence. In the beginning was the word, John says at the beginning of John's gospel, and the word was God and the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus had pre-existence. He, he is an eternal son of the father. And so in one sense, he's always had authority. He's part of this Trinitarian lords that we worship, this God who is father, son and spirit. So what does it mean that he's been given all authority in heaven and earth? Well, what it means is that Jesus is the son of God, but one of the titles he used about himself, and this is so significant with regards to the commission, with regards to what Jesus was achieving through his life and his death and his resurrection. But as the son of man, which is one of his favorite terms that he used about himself, the son of man, he, he, he almost rejoices and exults in that title that he has, the son of man. Because it says in Philippians 2 that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself. And you can hear when he describes himself as the son of man, he seems to love and exult in his identification with us. We are mortal men and women, fallen, sinful. If we're honest, even if you don't know Jesus, we, if, if we're honest, not only have we broken God's rules, but we have broken our own set of rules that are in our head. We've thought and said and done things that fall far short. Everyone, I, I've lived a long time now. I've yet to meet anybody who genuinely believes that they've even kept to their own rules and principles, let alone almighty gods and jesus came as the son of man he came as a man to both be a sacrifice and then an intercessor a mediator between god and man it's extraordinary and so jesus as the son of man has been given authority not as the son of god but as the son of man on behalf of mankind that he has redeemed and so this is an extraordinary i mean even before we get stuck into the nature of this authority just that statement being at the beginning of the Great Commission should cause us to stop and just to wonder at what is it that God is doing? What does Jesus's authority have to do with our commission to go and make disciples of all nations? Let's take a moment just to look at the nature of this authority. It's been given to Jesus and it's been given to him by his father, who is the author of all things. I mean, the, the, the highest authority belongs to the author of all things and God himself is the author of all creation and, and we learn actually in the scriptures that everything that God made he made for and through Jesus Christ it's incredible he holds all things together through his powerful word <clears throat> and so this is an authority that's coming directly from God the Father for Jesus you can read this extraordinary verse I'm going to put it up for you so you can I mean, this is a slight paraphrase but this is amazing in Ephesians 1 one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible where God just lays out his plan for salvation it's one of those chapters where you realize that uh, jesus wasn't an afterthought he's not like plan z this was always god's plan for salvation it was always to bring all of creation to his son jesus to set him above it all it was always to to find a bride and a partner for jesus who there is no one like him just as there was no one like adam 
in the Garden of Eden, there was no helper to be found for him. So God looked at his son, Jesus, and said, there is no one like my son. And so he's made a bride for himself um, from amongst the people of the earth. But this is God's plan. Ephesians 1 and verse 22 and then 23 as well is worth reading. The whole chapter is worth reading. But it says so clearly that God placed all things under Jesus's feet and made him head over everything this is this is another way of saying jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth he's placed all things under his feet and he has declared and made and set jesus as head over all things but verse 23 i've put it in brackets here is extraordinary he's done this for the church which is the fullness of him it's his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way extraordinary so this is, again, a direct link, even in Ephesians 1, between Jesus's authority given to him by the Father over all things and appropriated for us, the church, which are we are his body, we're his representatives on earth, we're one with him in spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And so this authority is not like a an earthly authority. It is an authority directly given and ascribed by the author of creation it's extraordinary we need to understand and another thing that's extraordinary about jesus's authority you see it through his earthly ministry is that he is very keen to give it away now none of us are worthy to carry the authority of the author none of us are worthy in ourselves or righteous we are we've been unclean we cannot hold the holiness or the authority of god and yet Jesus came, he, he, he died on the cross to make a, a way for us to reconnect with God and to bear his standard of righteousness. Not one that we earn through our own good deeds and, and obedience to the letter, but one that we earn through him taking our sin upon himself, taking every obstacle and barrier, every bit of dirt. And again, everything I've thought, said and done, I believe, has been pinned to Jesus on that cross and the, the penalty for it, the power of it in my life has been crushed by the Father in Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that for me is that I get to walk with Jesus. I get to hear his voice and obey him and do what he says. There's a willingness and a desire in my heart to do what the spirit of Jesus is telling me day by day. But Jesus, is he's made the way, but you need to know he is so passionate and keen to give his authority away to his followers. We see it when he gave authority over sickness, over demons to the 12 and then to the 72. We see it in the repeated refrains through the New Testament. I love this. One of the definitions of freedom that I feel the Lord has shown me and burnt into my heart is that throughout the New Testament, you'll see these four words, whoever, whatever, whenever and wherever whoever believes in me jesus has said streams of living water will pour from their heart he's talking about the holy spirit in john 7 he's superseded the old religion it says on the last and greatest day of the feast of passover i mean this is the greatest feast in the jewish calendar and on the last and greatest day of the greatest feast that the that the old covenant um that god had with his people had to offer on the last and greatest day jesus stood and with a loud voice an authoritative voice people were always amazed that he spoke as one with authority he said whoever believes in me as the scriptures have said rivers of living water will pour from their heart and john makes it very clear he's speaking about the very spirit of god that would well up inside every believer and flow out and who's that for whoever believes in jesus john 14 12 jesus says whoever believes in me will do the things i do and even greater things than these because i'm going to the father and he promises the holy spirit in that chapter you read through revelation whoever has an ear or whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit 
is saying to the churches under the old covenant, certain kings and prophets were chosen by God to hear from God. They were given a prophetic mantle and they were they were a conduit and an intermediary between God and the people. But now in this new covenant, the, the qualification for these gifts and these graces, the invitation to know God, to walk with him, to hear the voice of the creator in our own ears is given to the whoever believes in Jesus. The whatever, I love this as well. Again, John is so rich in these promises, but across the New Testament, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do it. And he says to make it ever so clear in John 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And wherever this gospel is preached and whenever two or more gather in my name, there I am. We've got this whoever this wherever, whatever, whoever, whatever, wherever, whenever of the new covenant. This is how God appropriates and, and, and releases the authority that has been given to Jesus. It is given to any one of us who will believe in him and walk with him. And again, I'll touch on something really practical at the end about how do we actually walk in this authority so that we see the authority of Jesus, who is king of kings over sickness, over demons, over death, how do we see this at work in our own lives? I just, I'm going to get there, but I want to just, I want to just spend some time, even for myself, reveling in the nature of this authority. There's no higher authority at all. You know, we need to spend time looking at it and considering it because it is not like the authority that we've known in our lives. I wasn't brought up as a Christian, and yet I understood from an early age that there was authority, good and bad. There were people in my life and and in your life from the earliest days that we can remember there were always people who had more power than us and who told us what we could and could not do they may have been parents they may have been teachers I don't know your story I only know mine but from the earliest days I began to understand authority I was not master of all my own choices and of course godly authority from parents and even from good teachers it's God given it's God ordained it's for our safety it's to help us to grow but we learn that authority figures are leaders we learn that authority sits with men and women according to their position and their circumstances in life. And yet Jesus's authority, this complete, total, absolute authority is unlike any authority we've grown up knowing. And there are some really stark things. I'm just going to touch on a couple of them again, just just going a little bit deeper into what this authority is, the nature of the authority we've been called to walk in so that we can have the therefore go and make so that we can disciple nations and multitudes of people generationally to know Jesus. I, I just want to spend this time just, again, even in my own spirit, trying to understand. And Father, I ask you, even as I'm speaking, I, I really want to understand the nature of this authority that is absolute, impenetrable, indelible. It cannot be reduced. Lord, it cannot be obstructed. It's like the it's like the authority of love, Lord, the authority of, of a water, a flood. It's the authority of fire. All of these things are pictures of the Holy Spirit the authority of fire that consumes, the authority of floods that overwhelm and water that breaks through and cuts through mountains and cut, cuts through through hills and dales. It cuts through the very earth, the, the authority of water, the authority of fire, the authority of the wind that blows down and catches up in the air. This is These are all pictures of the Holy Spirit. And it's this authority of the author that Jesus has been given and that he gives us even as he commissions us but it's not like earthly authority that's where I, that's where i was just now and you know jesus just before he goes to the cross there's a very stark thing where jesus speaks of his authority 
but he stands before three authority figures in the earth. It's extraordinary. In the run up to his crucifixion, I mean, you see Jesus, even in your mind's eye, he's a naked man, broken and bleeding. There's blood on him. He's been whipped. He's had his beard pulled out. He's been mocked by soldiers. He's had a crown of thorns shoved down onto his head so that he's bleeding. He can probably barely see he's been beaten with rods and with fists. He is not a picture of authority as we understand it. And, and on the run up to that, that crucifixion, though, of the King of Kings, I mean, he even had it written above his name almost as a mockery. But I don't think that was Pilate's intention. But it says prophetically King of the Jews. But it doesn't look like a picture of earthly authority. And in the run up to this crucifixion, Jesus stands as a prisoner, arms bound before three earthly thrones and he scorns them all. The first throne is the throne of Caiaphas, the high priest who passes judgment in an illegal court at night over Jesus. And he stands before that throne of religion and he does not want it. And in his power as the son of God, he says it himself. Do you not think I could summon later on? He's going to say it to Peter, to his disciples. Don't you think I could ask my father and he'd send a legion of angels to defend me? But Jesus chooses to endure this judgment from Caiaphas, unjust. He stands before the throne of of it's an unjust judgment and Jesus who is righteous stands before this earthly religious throne and he scorns it and then he's taken to Pilate this whose throne he was the ruler over all of that region a Roman ruler over the Jewish lands and he stands before that throne that represents military force and power military authority on the earth and he scorns that as well and Pilate sends him to Herod to curry favor with him. This is a dynastic king, a king who's ruling because his family have been given power and authority. He hasn't earned it. He's been born into it. This is a throne of earthly dynasty. There are very powerful people in the earth right now, people of earthly authority, incredible earthly authority. And it's come about through finance or through religion or through military might or through dynasty. And Jesus stands before these three these three thrones, these three rulers, these three, three human figures of earthly authority. And he scorns all those thrones. And instead he receives a crown of thorns, a purple robe that's given to him in mockery. He, he ascends the hill carrying a cross that he can barely lift because he's been so beaten. And he lays down and allows his arms and feet to be nailed to the cross. And he's lifted up high in the air, not as a king, but as a criminal. And that cross is dropped into its place and he becomes a spectacle for those around him. This is not the authority that we've learned to recognize in the world around us. And yet the Bible is very clear. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He doesn't become it. He is that very thing in this moment. He is, he is achieving the very thing he came to earth for. He is winning that authority that the father intends to give him. He is, he's making sure that the father can place under all his feet, can make him head over everything in heaven and earth for us, for the church, for this great commission. We've got to be ever so careful not to mistake the, the authority of heaven, the authority of the kingdom, the authority of our king for earthly authority. We need to be just as, we need to be honoring of those who occupy earthly places of authority but we mustn't want it for ourselves we want to become the least of all if our if our god if our king if our jesus being in very nature god didn't consider equality with god something to be grasped how much more when we have received such grace and favor from god who is king of kings from god who is the father of all should we choose to walk the path of a servant 
it's in that servanthood that we will receive the authority of God over all the things that he intends us to master and to conquer for his name and for the lost. You know, let me show you, even though I say he, it doesn't look like authority, the Bible is ever so clear that Jesus is in complete control. He is exercising complete authority over every step of his life and his death complete authority just take a look at the cross i mean jesus is a prisoner he's arrested this is these are all the headlines of what happens to him he's arrested he's taken from his friends he's bound he's mocked he's he's judged in an illegal way his friend betrays him at dinner i mean it's extraordinary betrays him with a kiss and brings the temple guards he's arrested he's beaten he's taken before these rulers who decide his fate this is one perspective on the narrative he's forced to carry his cross up the hill he's nailed as a prisoner and a criminal and hung up there between two other criminals that's one perspective but it's not the true biblical perspective jesus is ever so clear when he stands in front of of um pilate he says really really clearly that you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above and you see jesus actually exercising this power all the way through just watch really carefully that story that i've just told you the the prevailing narrative he was betrayed it's, there's truth in it he was betrayed he was arrested he was taken beaten mocked beaten badly as well and whipped and scourged he was forced to carry the cross he was nailed to it he was lifted up and hung between two criminals to be a spectacle for all those around him it's humiliating and yet let me show you just watch carefully because Jesus is in complete control all the time. At that last supper, in, in fact, before the last supper, what does he say? He tells his disciples to go and find a donkey, a colt. And he says, if anyone asks you why you're untying this donkey, tell them that the master has need of it. The Lord has need of it. He fixes dinner with his disciples in the upper room. He gives them this great sacrament of the bread and the wine to remember the sacrifice. It says, do this in remembrance of me. And at that dinner, he says to them, one of you is going to betray me. Prophetically knows, he knows who it is because the disciples say, who is it, Lord? They can't see. They don't understand what's going on. They can't fathom that one of them around that table. They're even, they're even, they've been humbled. They've found their own limitations. Lord, is it me who's going to betray you? And Jesus looks Judas in the eye and he says to him, what you're planning to do, what you're going to do, you go and do it now. Complete authority over the timing of it. Judas thought he was choosing, that he was the one doomed to destruction. And Jesus told him, what you are going to do, you go and do it now. Then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And you know how he deals with us, his followers. He asks them to pray with him, but they fall asleep. He doesn't force them. He doesn't exercise his authority over them. He's grieved that he's alone. Could you, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Could you not even have tarried for one hour and prayed with me? They couldn't do it. The temple guards come in. They come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says to them, I'm the one you want. Let them go. And the temple guards, it says, they fell down in his presence. Tell me who in that picture has authority? Is it the guards? Is it the military might that Judas has brought to ex execute his plans? Or is it Jesus who's king of kings? I am the one you want. Let these others go. And the temple guards fell down in his presence. Everything that happened to Jesus on his way to the cross was orchestrated by him and the father and the spirit of god and he was in complete control at every moment he could truly say that the son had laid his life down for those that he loved even on the cross just watch 
on the cross. He's, he's pinned there. He's bleeding. He's asphyxiating. That's what would have happened physically. He's bearing the weight of sin. He cries out from Psalm 22, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a darkness over him that he's never known as he becomes sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 again. And even there, he's in complete control. What does he say? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Make no mistake. Jesus's authority may not look like our authority on earth, but it is the supreme authority of love. It is the supreme authority of heaven, that pure place that has jurisdiction over all of heaven and earth. And Jesus is supreme within that place. He wears all the crowns. He has all the power. His word is final. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Any shaking that's going on in your life right now or in the nations, Hebrews 12 is very clear. The, the Lord says once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. He is in complete control. He has complete authority and he exercised it on behalf of us all. Let me just finish up. I don't want to spend too long on this last bit, simply because you need to work this out with Jesus. How do we walk in this authority? And Jesus is not only our example in this, and I'll show you why, but he is the key to this. Because he died, because he made restitution and payment for our sins, because he has brought us into eternal life, which John 17 verse 3, Jesus is praying and he says, this is eternal life, it's to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ who he sent Eternal life begins the moment you're born again to know God, the minute your sins are paid for and that penalty of being separate from the Lord, not hearing his voice, not gazing upon his face. You know, these sound like mystical things, but they're in scripture. They are my experience as I've sought him every day. Just I want to see you, Lord. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to walk with you. That, and that is it. That is the key to how we walk in this authority. Look at the Great Commission. We're not meant to go and do this on our own. There is a, there's, a, there's a very personal call in the Great Commission. I'll talk about this in the next session around the action, the go of the gospel. Absolutely. Every believer needs to ask, Lord, am I doing all that you intend me to do to fulfill this Great Commission? Am I going where you've told me go? But before we get there, we have to recognize that the bookends of this Great Commission are all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And then right at the end, this beautiful statement from the Lord, this beautiful promise. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. We walk in authority by walking with the author. The world teaches you and tells you that authority is all about leadership. But Jesus teaches us by his example and by his teachings that authority, true authority, is only found in followership. As we learn to follow the spirit of God, as we learn to follow Jesus, I often pray, Lord, just help me today. I want to follow the lamb. I want to follow the lamb. That's my, uh, my, my song for my life is I want to follow the lamb of God. I want to follow the shepherd of my soul. And Jesus modeled this for us. He spoke about authority in John chapter five. It bears a, a, an incredible study. The whole, I mean, the whole Bible, the whole of John. John gives you such a deep insight into Jesus's spiritual life and his walk as, as yeah. I'm just suddenly even even remembering John's own description of himself through John is the disciple that Jesus loved. He can only think of himself as a disciple. I'm the one that Jesus loves. It's an incredible book. And John five. Jesus speaks about authority and about this yielded life and how it brings you into the authority of God. He says, actually, 
in John chapter 5 and verse 30, he says that he has no authority of his own. He says, I have no authority. I can do nothing on my own authority. He only is walking and speaking in the authority of God. And there's a key a bit later on, John 5, 17, Jesus says to them, my father is always at work, even to this very day. Complete shock to them that he would call God his father. But he says, my father is always at work to this very day. They plot to kill him. He says, I also must be working. The, the, the religious leaders plot to kill him, the ones who have earthly authority. They, they hate this, um, what they consider blasphemy. They hate the threat to their own security as leaders. And so they plot to kill him. And then Jesus gives them this answer. John 5, 19 and 20, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. They changed my life. When I, when I was arrested by these verses and I thought, this is how Jesus lived. How are we meant to live any other way? And Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And yet he will show you even greater things than these so that you will be amazed. Let's just pause for a moment there. The son, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, and he gave them this answer. And I want to tell you any question you have about how do I fulfill God's plan for my life? How do I get to know God better? How do I hear his voice? How do I, how do I be a, a fruitful Christian? Jesus will give you this same answer. He said, even, even he with all his innate authority is the son of God. Even he said, I tell you the truth. And when Jesus says that, you've got to know this is gold to be brought into our heart. It's a foundation for us to live upon. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself, but he only he can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. And why? Because the father loves the son and shows him everything that he does brothers and sisters beloved if jesus only did what he saw the father doing moment by moment if all the strange stuff jesus did telling this person come and follow me knowing that he would and another one come and follow me know that he wouldn't and the gathering man says can i follow you and he says no go and tell everyone what i've done for you and the lepers come and they're healed and he says go and don't tell anyone what i've done for you how do you know what jesus would do as we touched on before well jesus only did what he saw the father doing and we need that same heart and that same lifestyle and I'm just going to share a few scriptures because I'm going to leave it here, literally. Like it's going to, might, might seem frustrating, but you call on the name of Jesus and he responds. If you don't know him, you can literally pray the prayer of prayers, prayers, the prayer of prayers, Jesus, 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 because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And because of the authority in that name, it, 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 Paul says in Acts that there is no other name given to mankind by which they may be saved. BMW, Apple, Microsoft, England or Botswana, Singapore won't save you, but the name of Jesus will save you. And so if you if you don't know him, you can literally call out Jesus and he will answer you. If you're a believer, you can call out Jesus and he will answer you. And in that meeting with him himself, meeting with Jesus, the King of Kings, the lowly one who is exalted above every throne, every power, in meeting with him, you can begin to walk this out. But let me just leave you with a few scriptures just to hammer this point home. We've got to remember him moment by moment. We yield our life first in our heart and we say, Lord, I'm yours. But the heart can still pull and we want our old life back. We want this. We start to think about ourselves. Paul wrote in one uh, Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But in the very next chapter, 2.21, he speaks about Timothy, this amazing young son in the faith that he has. And he says, I have no one like him for everyone looks to their own interests and not those 
of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, this is this takes diligence that the rewards are incredible, but you have to bring your thoughts. You have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, not to the letter of the law, not thinking what would Jesus do, but Lord Jesus, where are you right now? What are you doing right now? Hebrews 3 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 12, the author says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix them. Don't take them away. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Keep in step with the spirit of Jesus. Galatians 5.25. Let us keep in step with the spirit. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your thoughts on him. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. In other words, cultivate intimacy with the author. Cultivate intimacy. Cultivate intimacy with Jesus, who is King of Kings. Walk with him. Learn to see him. And again, for some of you, this sounds so mystical, but fix your eyes on Jesus literally means that. My heart says of you, Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, O oh Lord, I will seek. That was David writing that under the old covenant. And he's he had extraordinary grace, not just in forgiveness for his sins, adultery and murder, but a grace on him for intimacy, the key of David, this intimacy of, with the Lord, a life of worship and wonder. But brothers and sisters in Christ, now that he's died, now that he's risen again, now that he's given us his spirit. And again, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. I, I pray in the name of Jesus, anything that is causing you to not believe that you are loved and favored by God himself, that Jesus will answer you and walk with you and chooses and wants to walk with you every moment of your life. You can do nothing by yourself. You can do nothing by yourself you can only do what you see the lord doing bless you bless you learn to walk with the author practice his presence learn his voice do everything he says live a life of worship and wonder and god the authority of god that is uh, the authority of love the authority of fire the authority that overwhelms and overcomes everything many waters cannot quench love is going to begin to flow from your heart from your mouth even from your very hands as you begin to heal the sick and drive out demons like never before the lord will teach you father i pray for everyone listening i pray for myself i pray for your church your people your ecclesia around the world that you would bless us in this generation a new season of complete yieldedness Lord, that we would be baptized, not just in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but our whole lives would be given over to you. That symbol of death and new life would be so real to us, Lord God, that we would not live for ourselves, Lord God, but we would have in mind your son, Jesus. We would walk with him. We would recognize that as, as he begins, the fire of God fills our hearts. The flow of God begins to shape our words and our thoughts and our very deeds, Lord God. The authority of heaven is going to be released. The authority of heaven is going to be released all around us for the saving of many souls in Jesus' name. Bless you loads. Thanks for listening and uh, tune in next time. <laughs>